Hello, friends. Welcome to Spooky or Not, a podcast where every season is spooky season and anything spooky, bizarre, paranormal, or not is up for discussion. Today, we're going to wrap up our series, Killer Insights Exploring Serial Minds. We'll end the topic by discussing some common myths, facts, and stats around serial killers. This is Ari. And I'm Julia. And if this is up your alley, creep on listening. you've made it or if you are just making it to this go back and listen to part one and two and then come back to part three uh we've definitely gone through quite a bit of stuff about serial killers maybe some of you are happy that this topic is ending uh, and ready to move on to something else and maybe some of you are going to be a little sad that this will be the last one I know I will. I think that it's been great. Uh, the series has been really fascinating to me, so I've definitely enjoyed talking about it. Um, just like our previous two episodes, there is a trigger warning for today's episode as well. As we've mentioned, this episode is going to be about serial killers. We'll be mentioning mental health disorders and conditions and murder. We aren't going to get super gruesome into any of those things, but if any of these topics trigger negative emotions for you, maybe consider skipping this episode and come back to hang out with us next week as we cover a new topic. Yes, and don't forget to come back and hang out next week because we want to hang out with you. All right, so again, last part of the series Now that we know so much about serial killers, I wanted to go through some common myths that tend to get spread uh, about serial killers. Now, oftentimes this is due to how they are portrayed in the media. So on movies, TV shows, documentaries, things like that. Now, some of these we've already covered, like people assuming all serial killers are psychopaths and all psychopaths are serial killers. But there are a lot of other things that you may have heard of or even believe that may not be accurate. Uh, Julia, before we get started here, are there any things about serial killers that we haven't discussed yet that you've heard of or thought like anything that's all serial killers do this or all of them are this way type of things? I think the only thing that comes to mind is I feel like in media, you usually see serial killers being portrayed as like loners that they are on the outskirts of society, that they don't fit in anywhere, that they don't have jobs, that they're not like out and around a bit. Um, And as we've like looked at some stats and some things that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, that is definitely not the case that these people are probably well, a majority of them are well integrated into society and have jobs, maybe even have friends, definitely have family members that are involved in their lives, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's a good one. That one is definitely one that is easy to to take and run with based on on what we're seeing in movies and things like that. We'll actually expand on that one a little bit here in a moment. I'm glad you brought that one up. Uh, We're going to start with a common myth that serial killers want to get caught. So how many times have you seen it in a movie or a TV show where the killer leaves something behind or... uh, leaves something that makes it obvious of who it might be. And the detective or somebody says, they did this on purpose. They want to get caught. See that quite often in things. And TV shows, movies, 
it's all of they've left it's like the cat and mouse theme right of like they've left me a trail that i have to follow that's going to lead me closer to their backstory of why they killed all these people right yeah which makes for really entertaining movies and shows but it's not exactly true according to psychology today as serial killers continue to offend without being captured they can become empowered feeling like they'll never be identified and as the series continues, the killers may start to take some shortcuts when committing their crimes. This often leads to the killer taking more chances, leading to identification by law enforcement. So it's not that serials want to get caught. It's that they feel that they can't get caught. So they take the risks. The next myth is that all serial killers are incredibly intelligent. So this one is a myth that has been perpetuated by films such as Silence of the Lambs is a great example where Hannibal Lecter seems to be a genius, a real intellectual guy. And while some serial killers are above average intelligence, for many of them, they just know how to play the game to appear intelligent or they're charming enough to be alluring to some people. It's not really about how smart they are. It's about how determined they are. You know, that makes a lot of sense of being like able to fly under the radar for being able to kill multiple people, right? So that totally tracks with what you've explained over the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Fun fact about Silence of the Lamb and Hannibal Lecter is that I don't necessarily enjoy the movies, but there was a TV show of Silence of the Lambs um, of Hannibal Lecter with mm -hmm. Matt Michelson and Hugh Dancy. That is my all-time favorite tv show so um, good it is so good it mm -hmm. is so scary mm -hmm. uh, but if you haven't watched it and you enjoy serial killers <laughs> <laughs> blood gore all that kind of good stuff it is beautifully shot i think that it is like one of my like one of the best looking tv shows that has come out in a long time yeah it's a really good one Okay, so moving on to our next myth. Um, this one is that all serial killers are men. And I think this one can be easy to think about because we hear so much about male serial killers. But in reality, while women only commit 10% of all murders, they do make up anywhere from 15 to 20% of serial killers. A commonly heard case is Eileen Warnos, who fatally shot seven middle-aged and older men in North and Central Florida in 1989 and 1990. Um, so the stat, the 15 to 20%, I checked multiple places for this. Every single place I checked gave a different stat. <laughs> um, most of them were between 15 to 20%. One was 8% but I kind of went with the majority and that's why I did that range. But I, I don't, I couldn't find the source for that one, but it's somewhere around 15 to 20% of serial killers are women. Um, is that hot? Like, what, what do you think about that number? Is that higher or lower than you would think? You know, I don't know that I've ever actually really thought about like the number of men versus women. It makes sense. I mean, even, even at 20%, which kind of seems like the higher of the range, that's only one in five. Mm -hmm. Like that's still not a very high number. And I, I feel like killing somebody is not an easy task. Like it would be physically tasking to do it. So I could understand how maybe women in that, in that line of profession, like 
it, it becomes somewhat of a situation like that it's probably not as successful. Yeah, I get what you're saying. As it also sounds kind of like you've thought quite a bit about what it would take to murder someone. Yeah. Quit trying to make me into a serial killer. <laughs> I just got sharp knives and I know how to use them. So. <laughs> You're like, oh man. I'll be in the 20%. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're going to bump that number up a little. Um, so the next myth, Julia, this is the one you were talking about. Serial killers are dysfunctional loners. Um, according to the FBI, the majority of serial killers are not reclusive social misfits who live alone. They're not monsters and may not appear strange. Many serial killers hide in plain sight within their communities. Serial murders tend to often have families and homes, are gamefully employed, and appear to be normal members of the community. Because many serial murderers can blend in so effortlessly, they're oftentimes overlooked by law enforcement and the public. So we talked about in the last episode with the BTK killer, um, he led what seemed to be a normal life. He was married with two children. He was a Boy Scout leader, served in the Air Force. He was employed as a local government official and was president of his church. So he was obviously not reclusive and must have been really well liked to achieve many of these things. So you were spot on with calling that myth out, Julia. It is certainly not the case for the majority of serial killers. Yeah, it... And it's one of those things like we hear every every now and then. I think like I think of the Craigslist killer, right? That was one where I feel like I wasn't adult enough to understand like what was happening and watching it unfold on the news. And that was somebody that was in school, right? He was like a med student. He was actively taking classes and doing rounds at hospitals and still had time to serial murder some people. So still had to find time in the day. The next myth, all serial murderers travel and operate interstate. So in many movies and TV shows, we see the serial killer driving all over the place, picking up hitchhikers, taking them far away potentially, and just staying on the run. And while that can happen, many serial killers establish distinct geographic areas of operation, carrying out their crimes within well-defined comfort zones typically anchored to specific points like their residence, workplace, or a relative's home. These comfort zones serve as familiar territories for their activities. However, as their confidence grows through experience or to evade detection, some serial murderers may venture out beyond these boundaries. It's notable that a small minority of serial killers choose to travel interstate for their crimes, making it a relatively uncommon pattern in their routine. The FBI states that the few serial killers who do travel interstate to kill fall into a few categories. Uh, they could be nomadic individuals who move place to place. That's just part of their routine as is. Uh, homeless individuals who are transients or individuals whose employment lends itself to interstate or transnational travel, such as truck drivers or those in military service. The difference between these types of offenders and other serial murderers is the nature of their traveling lifestyle, which provides them with many zones of comfort in which to operate. So essentially they can feel comfortable killing in this way because their source of comfort 
goes with them or it's just something that is natural to them. It's different from those who are planted in place. You have a camper, don't you? I do. You can kind of travel place to place. Yeah, it's part of my serial killer training pack. <laughs> That's where I keep all my knives. <laughs> <sighs> it's not big enough to murder anybody in, unfortunately. Because you've tried? <laughs> you sounded real confident when you said that. This is one of those topics where it's like, they like to travel, but they also stay in place. Yeah. They're nomads, but they have established day-to-day -day routines. And it's like, everybody's a serial killer. <laughs> Everybody is. Get paranoid about things. That's what I've learned through all of this. We could all be serial killers. Um, this one too, the next myth, they're always strangers to their victims. So contrary to popular belief, serial killers can target both strangers and people they know, including friends or family members. So it could be their best friend, their boss, their podcast co-host, you know, any of those. The next one, serial killers are always inherently evil. So we probably debunked this already with the things we shared in episode one. While their actions are heinous, not all serial killers are purely evil. Mental health, environmental factors, and a combination of influences can contribute to their behavior. Um, this makes me think of if anybody has watched or read You, You was a book that they turned into a Netflix series where I think it, I did not, I read the book, was not super impressed with it and struggled for a long time to start the series because I disliked the book so much. But the series became wildly popular. And I think one of the things that made it so popular was that it played up this inherent evilness right because you were hearing it from his perspective you were seeing the struggles that he went through it's like that flipped unreliable narrative that they have going on it makes it more interesting to to see it from that side of it not just being something that it's like oh this person is pure evil just trying to kill somebody it was like you saw the struggle you saw him liking the girl or you know that kind of yeah. scenario going on um i saw a tweet about that show once and it said murder aside joe's a nice guy <laughs> like murder aside what do you mean he kills so many people like it would be one thing if it was like every you know even in the book he just he serial murders so many people and yeah. he's like an avid stalker like all of these things are inherently bad but you're, you're led down the path to to feel sympathy to feel to yeah. empathize with his actions and why he did the things that he did uh -huh. that's the point of the story that's what makes it so intriguing Okay, now let's talk about some interesting serial killer facts, including stats on where uh, everything stands today. And I'm going to be spooky for a moment because the real scary thing about discussing serial killer stats is that we're discussing what we know, the facts about people that have been caught. But there is without a doubt so many more events that we don't know about that would skew these numbers and it could skew them by a lot. So just keep that in mind as we talk about these. The first one, I actually, I wanna see if you can guess. So in blank year, there were a record number of serial killers. What year do you think that is? 1994. <laughs> okay. It's 2024. We've already hit a record just a month into the... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's 1987. 
According to the serial killer database, there were 189 serial killers in 1987. Hmm. I wonder what about 1987 just really set people off. Was it something that happened in 1986 and everybody was just reeling and people were only getting like happened things happen, like killing people and getting caught in 1997 or 1987? That's a good question. Technology was kind of a thing, but not the way that it is today. So like social media wasn't really influencing people at that time. It seems like this to me, this seems like a stat that would continue to grow each year. I wouldn't have seen a peak at 1987 and then it kind of like go down. I would have expected it to be like there was 100 and the next year there was 101. Like I wouldn't ever expect there to be like a peak and then a, a dip down. Well, it did dip down and I'll actually talk about that here in a moment. But that is interesting to think about what could have sparked so many so many serial killings. Another stat from the serial killer database is regarding which country has the highest amount of serial killers. Any guesses? Which country? The United States? It has to be us. We're the biggest dummies out there. No, I just feel like it's a bigger, a big enough country. We don't have like very highly regarded gun control. Like it just seems like there's a lot of opportunity here. The land of opportunity, as they might say. So the database says that by September 2016, there had been as many as 3,204 serial killers in the United States. We won. <laughs> um, to put that into perspective, in the same time frame, there had been 166 serial killers in England. And then South Africa and Canada follow with um, over 100 serial killers. So... That's right. God bless America and its overwhelming amount of terrible people. We did it. We won. Go us. <laughs> now, these next stats, uh, it's actually important that I introduce y'all to somebody. Uh, Thomas K. Hargrove, who is a retired Washington, D.C.-based investigative journalist and former White House correspondent. He founded the nonprofit Murder Accountability Project in 2015 to track unsolved homicides nationwide. Hargrove developed an algorithm that uses FBI homicide data to identify clusters of murders with an elevated probability of containing serial killings. Also, the name for this website for the Murder Accountability Project, it's just murderdata.org, which... I mean, it fits. It's just so to the point. <laughs> anyway, I highly recommend checking that site out if you're interested in murder. And data. <laughs> and data. <laughs> Which happens to just kind of blend our jobs. And so it's perfect for us. But um, on there, there is this victim characteristic chart where you can filter down by location, weapon used, circumstance, and victim criteria to see the stats in particular situations. And I know that's gruesome, but it's also fascinating that this research has been done and it's done with a purpose. The more trends that can be tracked and correlations can be made, the better a profile can be built and potentially lives um, you know, could be saved in the future with this. So it's not done just like, hey, here's a fun chart to play with. I mean, it is interesting to get in there and see, but it does actually help things along. 
So back to why I said it was important to introduce you all to this gentleman and what he does. Um, there are some facts that come from Thomas Hargrove and his team at the Murder Accountability Project that I wanted to share. So as of 2021, they say there are more than 2,000 active serial killers in the U.S. As I said before, since there are many serial killers that aren't caught or identified, it's impossible to say how many serial killers are unknown. Hargrove and his team collected records on over 750,000 murders carried out in the U.S. between 1976 and 2021 and used that data to create an algorithm to track unsolved murders. Based on this algorithm, he argued that there are as many as 2,000 active serial killers. Now, according to The Atlantic, former police detective Michael Arntfield thinks that the number of serial killers is even higher than what they suggested. He thinks it's upwards of three or 4,000 active serial killers. And he argues that the FBI's estimates are not so reliable. So what does the FBI say? First, only 1% of all committed murders in the US are serial killings. According to FBI statistics, there are around 15,000 annual murders, which means there are approximately 150 serial murders in the US each year. And in the last three decades, the killings have fallen by over 85%. This is probably due to longer prison sentences and better forensic science, meaning perpetrators are more likely to get caught. So what do you think of these numbers and all that? I am a skeptic at heart. And so I probably fall more in line with the category that if the FBI is going, if any agency is going to release numbers, they're going to pat it in their favor, even in the dullest sense. So I I totally agree that there's got to be more. It's like, yep, you can tell me there's 150 murder or 150,000 murders and 1% of those are serial killers. So it can only be up to 150. And I want to be like, I think you don't know what you're talking about, to be honest. <laughs> and if half of those are just ones that have only killed once, but will kill again to actually become a serial killer, like it's like one of those things of like, there is a cooling off period, right? Because mm -hmm. these are not like single instances. Right. I also feel like mass murder wasn't necessarily a thing like it was in the 80s. Like I'm sure that there were mass murders in the 80s and maybe it's just media talking more about mass murders versus serial killers at this point. Um, it's just more of a hot topic now. So maybe I just, I just hear more about it now, but that is what the media is talking about more these days. But I wonder if they see a decline in serial killers because people are going out with a bang in mass murdering versus serial murdering. You know, that, that makes sense. And I mean, I said it, I think in episode one that I am much more terrified of mass murder than serial murder. I'm terrified of both, but I feel like the probability of being mass, this is so dark. <laughs> I feel like I could be a victim of a mass murder more than my chances of being a victim of a serial murder. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that is interesting. So you're more in line with uh, Thomas Hargrove and his team and what they're doing. I think it's interesting what they're doing with that algorithm, like, you know, numbers aside, I do think it's important to look at everything that's out there and, you know, 
really understand that there are people out there that aren't being caught. And there's so many unsolved cases that could be linked together from a serial killer that haven't been found yet. So yeah. And it's like one of those things, like, I think it totally makes sense. Or like how many people were serial killers, but only convicted of one of their crimes. And mm -hmm. so they're not listed as a serial killer, right? Even though they have murdered, they just have unsolved murders out there or a cold case where that hasn't necessarily been tied to them yet or will ever be. That doesn't necessarily mean that those, those trends don't exist. And this guy has definitely shown like there's an excessive number of murders that have been unsolved until this point. And the, the stats and data from those don't just get negated because they're not tied to a murderer or a serial murderer. Right. <laughs> like that information is still true and accurate and, and you know, did happen. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So everyone, I'll, I'll link it in the description, but murderdata.org. Uh, check it out. If you're interested, if this topic is too much for you, don't go there. It will not help you sleep at night. All right. I'm going to wrap this up with another trivia question. Julia, what state do you think has the highest amount of recorded serial killers? I want to say California, but I think I'm just going for big states at this point. <laughs> I would say California or Texas. Texas? You're going to guess Texas? Okay. Um, I also would have guessed California. According to Crime Capsule, proportional to its population, Alaska is, without a doubt, the most popular state among serial killers, with 15.65 serial killings per 1 million inhabitants. If I had to live in a snowed-in desert, I'd probably lean towards serial killing as well. No, I don't know anything about Alaska, to be honest. I think Alaska looks beautiful. I think you cannot pay me enough to get on a cruise to Alaska. I want to take an Alaskan cruise so bad. There's also a lot of reported alien activity in Alaska. We should do maybe like an Alaska episode. Um, do you want to take a guess for which state came in second? after alaska florida no i don't know i don't know i'm just guessing states at this point no, that's good. That's good. i'm i'm impressed that you're coming up with so many different states i know that i've said three whole states without <laughs> looking at a map without looking on your wall to your giant map uh okay so after alaska nevada has the second highest rate of serial killings in the united states among its 12.19 per million inhabitants, there have been 98 serial murders since 1900, with 33 committed in the 1980s. So there we are in the 1980s again, a third of them committed just in that decade. Around the 80s. Casino, man, gambling, casinos. Those guys were getting taken out, being put in Lake Mead, were just finding the fruits of their labors. Oh, I bet you we find a bunch more. I bet you they start connecting things if you can pull forensics that I don't know how any of this actually works. <laughs> no, I mean, you're right, though. Lake Mead is unearthing a lot. So Alaska takes first, Nevada is second, and this is followed by Florida, California, Washington, Oregon, and Louisiana. Ooh, Louisiana with some alligators. Just be letting. Oh, so easy. So easy to get rid of the bodies. Also, can we just talk about the dumb way I search for things? So in order to get stats for that fact, 
I searched something like best states for serial killers. The FBI agent assigned to monitor everything I do electronically. It's been very busy since we started this podcast. Mostly like, oh, she's Googling something else today, guys. I search for things like an idiot. Like I'm interested in it. Well, interested like personally, like where I should go. You had to get the mind, the killer insight. I did. I've been in killer insights for a month now. (laughs) I'm ready to step out. Um, Another thing I wanted to mention is that some people feel guilty or wrong for being interested in this topic or true crime. And I understand that. I felt guilt myself, but I did a lot of reading about this when we did our first episode, The Science of Fear. Check it out if you haven't already. And there's nothing wrong with you if you want to look into these things. As long as you're not glorifying the serial killers in any way and you're being respectful to the victims and loved ones affected, it's okay to be curious. And I know that can be controversial, but it is human nature to be curious. And I will say as someone who does consume true crime content from sources that are victim focused and respectful, that learning about what happens does make me feel somewhat better equipped to handle scary situations. I don't like who knows if it'll pay off in the moment, but I at least know more of what to be on the lookout for. Um, And I have a healthy paranoia of certain things that I maybe wouldn't be if I didn't consume true crime content. So all that to say, consume content respectfully when it comes to real life situations and take away what you can from it, but don't feel guilty or anything like that. And there's nothing wrong with you. So Julia, how do you feel wrapping up the serial killer topic? We're done. We are done. I've learned so much over the last three weeks. I'm not a true crime junkie. And this does kind of lean into that territory, I feel a bit. Um, But it has been very fascinating to learn the science behind things. I think that's the cool part about everything that we've talked about on, on certain episodes is the history of how things got to where they are today. I think that whole backstory of of how things become what they are is, is intriguing. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Well, I'm glad you've enjoyed it. And hopefully all of you listening have as well. What do do we have to look forward to next week, Julia? We are headed back into the realm of odd, paranormal, bizarre things. We are going to be taking a look at witches. It's going to be an episode led by me. So everybody strap in, get ready. We got a lot to talk about and discuss. A spooky or not first, a Julia centric episode. I can't wait. Um, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the topic we covered. Um, did you learn anything new about serial killers in the last three weeks? Uh, also let us know any topics you'd like covered on the show. We want to Talk about what you want to listen to. You can always send us an email to spookyornotpodcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think about the episode or about any of the topics that we're covering. Or just DM us on Instagram at spookyornotpodcast. We'll have everything linked in the description, including sources for more information, our email, and a link to our Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time for another Spooky or Not episode.